Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. If you're lucky enough to have stable accommodation and not have to worry about where you're going to sleep tonight, it's important to remind ourselves that housing is a privilege. No one knows this better than the co-founders of online managed monthly accommodations marketplace, Guesthouse. After her life and business partner, Shane V. Charles, grew up in unstable housing in Chicago. Today's guest, Gabriella Chapa, realized that they could make a difference in communities together. In this episode, Gabriella shares how she consulted on Chicago's $750 million equitable housing scheme, why entrepreneurship means delayed gratification, and how the concept of being ready is imaginary. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Gabriella. Gabriella, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Of course. So, you know, you and I recently connected. And when I look into the incredible work you're doing in real estate and consumer tech, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Absolutely. So I am the co-founder of Guest House. And for those who do not know, Guest House is an elevated home sharing experience designed for monthly rentals. Quick backstory on why we started Guest House. Back in 2018, my partner and I were relocating from Chicago to New York um, and just had the most awful moving experience. Um, you know, when I say awful, our our things were almost stolen by the moving company um, and just experienced a lot of friction in the process. And so as we continued to move from city to city over the last couple of years, we noticed that that was actually something that was fairly common. When we talked to other people, they were also experiencing that same thing. So we really started to figure out how can we help solve this problem. And fast forward that it was now about three years ago. Um, and I'm sure we can dive a little bit more into that later in the later in the show. But um, that is essentially how we got there. Ugh. I love it. It's so interesting. And I think, you know, the best ideas are always born out of our own pain points and our struggles. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to dive deeper into it. Before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, I love that question. So I'm actually from the Chicagoland area. And I'm born, I'm an only child to wonderful and amazing parents that have really helped shape who I am today. Um, I think part of my childhood, I was very involved in sports. And now being in the real world, you notice a lot of similarities between being an athlete and uh, being an entrepreneur, right? Um, everything from learning discipline and consistency all the way through perseverance. And so I think. At the time, you don't necessarily realize it. You know, after playing basketball in college and playing sports at one of the highest levels, you really take all of those lessons with you. And so, being an entrepreneur, I've noticed that I've, you know, been able to leverage a lot of what I've learned um, growing up, and specifically being an athlete um, transfers a lot over to what we're doing today. I love how you brought that up. And I think there are so many similarities. You know, if we think back to Gabriella, the early years where you're playing basketball, you're at school, you're trying to do your thing, you've got these beautiful parents, you know, what were some of the things that I guess you learned about yourself in those teen years that perhaps people don't know about you or that you didn't come to know until that time? And I guess, how did you navigate through those learnings? Yeah, I love that. The first thing that comes to mind is I think it, from an earlier age, I didn't necessarily understand how to tap into my full potential. I think for a lot of my, you know, teen, early teen years and even into college, almost was lucky to get by just by, you know, doing what I had to do, not necessarily going above and beyond. And I, I it sounds cliche when I say this, but I think when I got to my senior year of college and university, something kind of changed. And I felt as though my drive went to just from coasting to really putting in, you know, full effort and force into everything I was doing. Um, my GPA went up like 0.5%. Um, I ended up making the honor roll literally in my last year of college. So I think it was in that moment that I realized okay, what could my life look like 
if I truly put forth full effort and determination and that's when I started to see things change. I think it is also helpful that when you're working and doing something that you truly believe in and you're passionate about, and we have the opportunity to speak with other entrepreneurs all the time. And I think what we consistently say is, you know, what we're doing now doesn't necessarily feel like work. And I think that that opportunity allows us to go above and beyond, helps us push through 12, 14 hour days. But again, I think that was all realized for me personally during my collegiate years when that moment happened of like, wait a second, how far can I actually take this when putting forth that 110%? What was the catalyst for that moment? I wish I knew. (laughs) (laughs) I think it must have been um, a combination of many different things. I think most of it was actually subconscious. Um, But there, there came a time of like, all right, let's take this seriously um, and, and maybe that was it. Maybe, you know, through school, um, it kind of seemed maybe the world didn't necessarily seem real. And then my the last year of college, it was like, wait a second, you know, you're about to enter the real world. Let's start to think about things a little bit differently. And so if I had to pinpoint a moment, I I would probably say that. I love that. And I feel like so many of our peers out there can resonate, whether it's the end of one job or chapter or career that they've chosen into another, or whether it's the end of college or the end of school or whatever it may be, and end of a relationship that's just was defining for a certain period of time. You know, for our peers out there listening who are in that moment right now, they're at the end of a chapter and they're kind of contemplating the next steps and how they should perhaps take themselves more seriously or their dreams or their goals. You know, what advice would you give to us as we kind of navigate through that? I think that that's actually the most beautiful moment when you've kind of come to the end of one journey and you're about to start the next. I think for me personally, I looked at it almost as a blank canvas for me, it was the, the idea of regretting something was more powerful than the risk of taking that action. And so that was something that I had to make a personal decision about is, you know, will I regret if I don't do this one thing, right? If I don't go all in right now, you know, what could my life look like? And so that's why, you know, I like, I like to say for me, and I think it's a personal decision for everyone, but the, the moment of, you know, closing one chapter and looking into the next is such a beautiful and defining moment. And you don't necessarily know it at that time. Right. But it's being able to be courageous in that moment to take that leap. And I think those who are able and willing to do so often never regret it. Yes. Sorry. I'm just taking it in because it's hitting me in a way. I'm in the midst of a closing of one chapter and heading into a next. I've recently moved from Melbourne, which is my hometown here in Oz, to Sydney um, to further the business. And I very much so feel that. And also, I think the tension that comes with that. Did you feel that tension when you made that decision that, oh my goodness, now I have to step up? You know, I've made this internal decision and choice and I have to kind of follow through with that. And I guess, how do we stick to it and keep that commitment with ourselves? Mm, Two very beautiful questions. I think touching on that 
first point. Um, again, it, it's not easy, right? I think when you as an individual decide to take a path that is less traveled, not everyone around you is going to understand. And you have to quickly become comfortable being uncomfortable because along your journey, um, a lot of people are going to tell you what you're doing is too risky or, you know, it's not, you know, you're not going to make money or you're, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, Z. And I think from a social construct perspective, it does get challenging, right? Because you have to make a different type of sacrifice than what your peers are making around you as it looks like those around you are climbing different corporate ladders, um, you know, they're buying that new home, whatever that looks like. Um, you as an entrepreneur have to make these different sacrifices. And I think that that is one of the most challenging parts of this journey is being able to delay that gratification. And as soon as you can realize, you know, the fruits of your labor probably won't come, you know, until six months, 12 months, 24 months, um, and become okay with that. I think you can find peace in the entrepreneurial journey, but to your point, Michelle, it's not easy and not everyone around you is going to be supportive. So being able to find those few that are really help propel your journey and keep you you know, sane and help provide you that foundation to keep going because I think being an entrepreneur is bold, right? You being able to pick up and move, you know, to a, a totally new place for, to expand a business, like that's bold. Um, not many people would do it. So I think just staying focused and making consistent, but small strides is when you look back you know, the, it seems incremental. And um, I think that, that that's the last piece of this. You know, you ask, like, how do you stay on par? How do you stay focused? It's, you know, understanding you don't have to go from zero to 60 at once, right? Going from zero to one or one to two and building upon those small steps become big steps in the long run. So well said. Oh, I'm loving this, Gabriele. I want to dive a bit deeper into your story. So you're in college. You've had this pivotal moment where, you know, it's your final year and you have had that moment and you've realized that you're going to take things to the next level for your life, for your career, for what you want to do, and you want to see how far it can take you. You then dive in, I think it's to your first job at NBC in sales for about two years. And I think you were like a national sales lead at one point, you know, talk to us a little bit about that first experience in the working world. And I guess at what point for you, did you just feel like you needed to go out on your own and kind of explore what that would be like? What was that transition like for you? I think NBC in itself was a pivotal moment in my life. Um, I had had a couple corporate jobs prior to NBC that were based in Chicago, right, my home, near my hometown. And when I took the offer to move to New York and work in 30 Rock and join the NBC team, that was the first time that I was leaving the comfort of my community. And so like anyone knows, when you're thrown into 
New York City and <laughs> you don't necessarily have, you know, um, a pre-built network there, you're really forced to one, figure out things on your own. Um, and, and two, I think there's no better city to learn more about yourself than New York City. So um, I think in that, that in itself was another pivotal moment for me because it really forced me, I think, to grow up. That was the first time, as I mentioned, that I was in a completely new environment. I really didn't, you know, have, as I mentioned, a pre-built network. So it was starting from the ground up. And during my time at NBC, I was able to really navigate a corporate structure on a large scale. And there was always this burning fire inside of me. You know, even while I was at NBC, I was working, you know, nights and weekends, you know, looking into real estate, figuring out how do I build up passive income? How do I become financially free? Um, And so there was always that part inside of me that I knew I couldn't just rely on one source of income. And so for, you know, a a year or so I studied into, um, I studied the real estate side and got to the point where I was able to invest in, you know, my first rental property. And, um, I think being able to balance two at one time definitely was not easy, but it was necessary. And not until I got to the point where I said, you know what, I'm going to take the risk of going all in. Even if that means leaving New York City, I think that, you know, it's something that I won't regret. And I think I envision going back to New York as an entrepreneur rather than, um, you know, being uh, a corporate employee. I think it looks a lot different. But um, yeah, I think I think for me, it was really just balancing my entrepreneurial journey alongside my corporate role for for some time. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs follow a similar path, but you kind of have to get it to the point where you're either ready or bold enough to make that decision to go all in. How do we become ready or how do we know we're ready and how do we gain the courage to go all in? I think it's something that most people will attest to, whether it's first-time parents, whether it's, um, you know, first-time pet owners, whatever have you, this, this concept of being ready is imaginary. I think when you, when you're entering a new chapter, I don't know that you can be 100% ready and being confident and bold enough to say, you know, accepting that I'm not sure I will be 100% ready ever. So, really looking at the concept of time, right? Can I do this right now? And not necessarily looking at it in terms of preparation or ready and things like that. Because like I said, I think as as humans, we tend to find reasons not to be ready. So looking at, you know, your individual life's case and saying, is this something I can do right now? Um, and being bold enough and courageous enough to just to do it. I think that's such valuable advice. You know, I think so much of the time 
we often feel like we need to be at this certain place in our lives, with our careers, with our business to take that next step, you know, to really kind of just progress. I want to dive into the story of Guest House, but before we do, was there a moment for you where you just felt like you weren't ready at all, but yet you just progressed with, you you just did it. You just went off and made that change or made that progression. And if so, how did you gain the courage to do that? I think that uh, to answer your question, yes, it was something that I I knew I had to make the decision about. And I tend to be one that really make sure that I want to do something. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the one that will just decide today and act tomorrow. Um, and so it it was something that I was thinking about for, for a while. Um, and not until I got to what I like to call that breaking point, did I say to myself, you know, it's time. And so I think it's going to be different for everyone. Um, I, in my life now, I, I tend to practice moving on that emotion a lot faster. And I think I've gotten better at that. But being able to move in the direction to which you're called in is such a valuable skill set. And I think as humans, we tend to, as I mentioned, either make excuses or delay that calling. Um, and so, it was just one of those things that that said, you know, it for me, it, it's time. It was time. I love that. So let's dive into your businesses. You know, you mentioned that while you were at NBC, you were hustling and trying to understand a little bit about real estate and you made your first investment and whatnot. I think your business there was called Rise Ventures and you founded that in 2018, co-founded it. What did the idea for Rise Ventures come about, you know? And instead of just going off and investing in real estate on your own, where was this idea to kind of create a business behind it? Where did that come from? So my my life partner and business partner, um, we actually invest in the neighborhood that she grew up in. And um, it really stemmed from, you know, her childhood and growing up in a um, predominantly disinvested community where every third home is vacant or abandoned really has negative implications on children, right? And so I think our work with Rise Ventures is figuring out, you know, how do we build sustainable ecosystems in predominantly communities where those ecosystems are non-existent um and so for us that was really building grassroots from the community up um you know looking at you know what properties were available in the neighborhood and how can we turn them into you know a thriving space for local residents to to live in and i think it was such a beautiful time because we would often get you know comments of you know oh you know, you're the new uh, landlords. And I think it was just something that people within the community weren't used to seeing. And so we really took pride in making sure that all of our residents experience, have a positive experience with us as landlords, because again, that's not always the case. And I think our vision for 
Rise Ventures is to continue expanding upon building those ecosystems, right? Expanding our real estate footprint in this specific neighborhood and bringing, you know, local grocery shops and um, figuring out, you know, how to better equip residents with the necessary infrastructure that everyone needs to thrive, right? You look at a lot of disinvested communities in the Chicagoland area and majority of them are food deserts, right? There isn't necessarily a local grocery shop to go and get fresh food. You look at a lot of the apartments and real estate assets that are there and, you know, some windows are broken, some pipes aren't always working. And I think just taking extra pride in making sure that properties are are beautiful and they're wonderful experiences for people that, that live there. And I think to date, we've taken a lot of the feedback that we've got from our tenants and I think our mission and vision is aligned based on the feedback that we're getting. So I think that continues to motivate us. But I think the the long story there is a lot of communities to which people of color come from need more investment from people that were born and raised in the community. So I think that that's really our work with RISE is continuing to build more thriving ecosystems within this specific community. It's so, so powerful. And I mean, the work Shane, you know, your partner and you were doing is, is just so incredible. And I think it's exactly what you said. It's investing back into your own almost and into kind of where you came from and, and whatnot. And it's beautiful that you can be on the journey with Shane as you both do that together. So I want to dive into Guest House. So a year later, I think it was still at NBC at the time in New York, you started Guest House, which is your business in Jan 2019. You know, you kind of mentioned early on in the conversation where the idea came about, but I guess, you know, where did the desire to start Guest House come from? And more so than that, what were some of the early challenges that you had to go through to get it off the ground? I think being one of the first entrepreneurs in our families, both Shane and I, the entrepreneurial path isn't always super clear. <laughs> so when we talk about building, you know, guest house back in 2019, it was a completely different business model, completely different name. And I think over the years, we've gotten into the point where like we're confident in moving forward in this direction. But you know, a couple of years ago, I think we had big aspirations and we thought we could take, you know, just build a company in a couple months and have it up and running. And you quickly realize there's so much more that goes into actually launching a company. And so when we talk about Guest House today, it's a completely different iteration to where we started. But as we mentioned earlier on in the conversation, it stemmed from a personal experience that we had, which is what motivated us to figure out how do we solve this. And I think that move to New York really showed us the friction that exists moving city to city, especially with a bunch of furniture and items. And I mean, renting an apartment in New York was an eye-opening experience to me and just the competitive nature of that. So I think we're super happy with where Guest House is today, but it definitely did not start at this point uh, a couple of years ago. 
when we're in those early years and we're still trying to finesse the, the idea and figure out exactly how we're going to turn our pain point into a solution, what are some of the things we should be looking out for? How do we not get discouraged when it changes completely and we feel like we're starting all over again a year, two years down the track? You know, what advice do you have for us on that? And how did you navigate through that change and that growth? It was, uh, (laughs) it's not easy. Um, You know, I think that to your point, Michelle, like there are often times that you feel as though you have to start from scratch. I think looking back, one thing that we've been consistently good at is getting into the market as quickly as possible for feedback. Because what we hear oftentimes from a lot of founders and entrepreneurs is that, you know, they're building this amazing idea, but we often want it to be so perfect before releasing it into the market. And I think what will really tell you whether your business is valid um, or needed is by getting it in front of people. So the first iteration of Guest House back in, you know, Jan of 2019, I remember before we even had a product or website we were calling landlords saying, hey, we have this service. Do you want it? And I think back then we we didn't have the best pitch. We didn't, I don't even know if we had a website at the time. Um, and we got rejected a lot. <laughs> it was definitely a moment where we had to continue persevering. But getting that early feedback allowed us to continue iterating on that idea and getting it to a point where people finally said, yes, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm missing. But if we had stopped iterating, I think it would have been an upward battle of trying to sell something to the market that the market didn't need or want. So looking back, yes, the iteration is very exhausting. You you constantly feel like you're starting from scratch. But if you're open and willing to continue pursuing the goal and iterating along the way, eventually you will land on something that the market wants and needs. How do we stay positive when we feel like we're iterating, 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 and it's just not sticking and, you know, we just don't even know if we've made the most silly decision or worst decision (laughs) to go out on our own? Yeah. I think that that's that's why – I think they say, what, 95% of startups fail. I, I think it's not necessarily because the of the business idea it was a failure. I think it's because we choose to stop trying. And so in the moment of the rejection, because the rejection hurts, right? The rejection's not easy. But if you're able to take the the rejection and bring it back internally and strategize, you know, what are some key points that they said, right? How can you start to form commonalities to the feedback that you're receiving and using that as your guiding star rather than necessarily trying to drive your idea across the table? Something that we talk about all the time is the idea of momentum and finding little glimpses of momentum and really using that as a wave to catapult, you know, either that specific portion of your business, the, the, the specific timing of your business. If you can go with that momentum, um, it, it 
essentially helps carry your business farther in a short amount of time in comparison to, you know, you just trying to drive through an idea that you think is important or needed. And so again, I think back to what we talked about just a moment ago is getting that feedback as quickly as possible and being open enough to helping that drive the future of what your product can become. Such valuable advice. Look, Gabriella, we could talk for days and I'm absolutely loving this, but I am mindful of your time. I've got a couple of key final questions for you. And the first one is... What has been your greatest failure and win to date? Failure is always an interesting topic, I think, in entrepreneurship. I think that that is one common trait that entrepreneurs can relate over is this idea of, you know, again, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I truly believe for me my mindset has always been that nothing is a failure. Everything is a learning. And so trying to use those learnings again to continue just pushing forward has really been the foundation of Guest House and Rise Ventures and any business that we're a part of. I can't pinpoint one specific Failure, I think, Michelle, it's really a a combination of many, many, many learnings, you know, every single day that when you look back ends up being, you know, leading you to where you are today. But when it comes to one specific point, and as you can probably tell throughout this show, is that I don't know if it was at any one specific point. I think it's just having that perseverance to continue moving forward. And I think that that's the biggest differentiator for entrepreneurs. If you look at the ones that succeed and the ones that, you know, end up giving up, it's how willing are you to just keep going, especially on the days where it's not easy, especially on the days when when you're getting rejected and no one wants what you're selling and people don't understand your product. It's being willing enough to say, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and how can we make this work? And I think if you ask any of our community that's been around us the last couple of years, one thing that we've consistently, you know, have brought to the table is, is that drive and perseverance of, you know, hey, we don't have it all figured out, but you can count on that we will continue coming back to this table until we, we are at the point where, you know, something that sticks. And I think we're fortunate right now that we're at a point with Guest House that, the, the market feedback has been extremely receptive and the idea is clear and people want this specific product. But again, I think had we given up even six to 12 months ago, we wouldn't be where we are today. Absolutely. And your greatest win? I think my greatest win is finding my life and business partner. I think that, you know, any business relationship as a standalone business relationship and then as a standalone, you know, life partner and relationship, I think those often determine the direction of your life and business. And so I cannot imagine being on this journey without Shane. I think that, 
together we both bring two very different skill sets but ones that complement each other in a way that we've been able to be at this now for 3 4 years on the business side so when you ask you know what is what is the biggest win it's it's not you know necessarily the accolades or the press or any of the external uh, factors that a lot of entrepreneurs i think strive for because that that comes and that goes right so having a a really sturdy foundation having a having a partner that you know makes it like i said makes it fun makes it enjoyable and you get to win together you get to learn together i think for me that's that's been the the greatest win for me oh i love that before i continue on i just want to talk a little bit about working building a business with your partner with your life partner you know i think it's funny we a recent podcast another podcast we were having this discussion and you know i reflected on the fact that my parents they've also done the same thing you know been in business together for 30 years and and obviously life partners for 30 years plus now and it's it's a relationship that I just now being in business myself, I just have a lot of respect for, you know, I think when you go home at the end of the day, sometimes not talking about work and not talking about business can be beautiful with your partner. But, you know, you think that's the person you're working with day to day. You know, how have you and Shane navigated through the intricacies of doing business together, but then also having that person as your life partner? How have you navigated through that? And are there any tips that you can give us for our peers out there listening who are thinking about going into business with their intimate partner? I think it's definitely changed over time. When I look in the very beginning days of going into business together, it was not easy. And I think being, you know, two women, it was also something that going into the startup world, we already understand that, you know, women receive very little venture funding and you start layering on women of color and things of that nature, your odds start to become lower. Um, and I think in the beginning it was one of those things that we contemplated, is it something that we share or is it something that, you know, we continue with from an outside perspective saying we're business partners. And I think we got to the point where it started to feel non-authentic to our own, to ourselves. And it was something that we had to ask the question, you know, is this worth feeling like we have to lie, right? Or show that we are something different than we are. And so it, it took years for us to get to the point where we are um, proud and open and authentic about sharing our journey as both life and business partners. But in the beginning, it, it was something that, again, like came with a level of hesitation, just understanding that that can bring more barriers. And to your point about, you know, setting those boundaries, it's something that we have to often level set, I think, especially when you're at a time where business is is very busy and there's so much to do during the day. We often spend our weekends working. It's finding that time, right? Like setting the boundary of, you know, hey, let let's go on a let's go on a hike, right? Without our phones or you know, setting that whether that's like going to dinner, being mindful about setting those boundaries because I think the default is to just work, 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 and I think it does put it put a damper on 
your relationship. And I think most entrepreneurs, right, can speak to this, whether they're in business with their life partner or not. Entrepreneurship demands such a level of you that it often takes away from other parts of your life. So it's being able to balance those other parts. And again, I think boundary setting is something that we've been putting more of an emphasis on and have to continue to be conscious of because again, it, it's it's not by default. And I think just tips for, for those who are in relationships with people that are ambitious and, you know, have entrepreneurial drives is that, again, I don't think it is for everyone, but I think if you can figure out a way to be open-minded enough, it's going to challenge both your relationship, your working relationship, and your personal relationship. You find out a lot about your partner by going into business with them. Um, But I think if it's something that, you know, people are thinking about, I think that the negative side is, you know, it could harm or uh, potentially damage your personal relationship. And you have to be understanding that that's a possibility. But again, I think just like your parents, right? If you don't take that risk, you'll never know what it could have been like. And again, for me personally, not having that regret and just being continuously fired up. I think, you know, with Shane being such a visionary, she's constantly bringing amazing ideas to the table. And I think me on the more literal side, figuring out, okay, how are we going to get from A to B? So also understanding, you know, do your skill sets complement one another is probably something that's super important to figure out before getting started. Such valuable advice. Gabriella, over the last several years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. Both yourself and Shane, you've received a lot of recognition for your work. And, you know, I will mention an external recognition that you recently got, which was being listed on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? I love that question. I think, again, being first-time entrepreneurs coming from, you know, families that have some entrepreneurial DNA, um, but not necessarily was something that we were involved with growing up. One of you know the things that has been incremental or instrumental in our journey is really finding different leaders and mentors that we can bring all of our outlandish ideas to and figuring out, okay, how can we actually make this a business concept? How can we take this from zero to one? Um, being able to be bold enough, you know, we've, we've blind reached out to different executives and leaders at, you know, pretty large organizations and just asking, you know, pitching our idea and asking if, you know, they'll hop on a 10, 15 minute call. And a lot of, a couple of those relationships have actually continued to foster over the years. So finding people that align with your product or company that have established themselves at companies that could be of benefit to you, whether that's from a mentor perspective, um, an advisor perspective and things like that. But having that wisdom of people that have gone before you is, is super imperative to your journey as an entrepreneur. Two, I think, as I mentioned, is you have to understand that 
the gratification that comes with entrepreneurship is so extremely delayed. Um, you have to put in so many hours, so many days of the week, so many years for you to even start to see the fruits of your labor. And if you understand that we live in a society that tends to reward us instantly and accept the fact that entrepreneurship is the exact opposite of that, <laughs> I think that that'll at least set and level set your mind um, to prepare yourself for that journey. And then lastly, it's really ensuring that you have a strong community around you. I know we talked about having, you know, the advisor, mentors in your life is super important, but it's also important to have, you know, colleagues or founders or other entrepreneurs that are, that are at a similar stage of of the journey as you. It, it's pretty awesome to be able to see the growth of, you know, yourself and, and, and your founder friends um, come up together and and see how different the paths are. Having that horizontal support is really what helps us continue going as well. Being able to, you know, lend a hand where, you know, it's needed and being able to ask for help when needed. So I think creating and forming that support system through and through is just so important as an entrepreneur. I think at times it can be a lonely journey and having people around you that can help continue catapulting your journey in, in unique ways is, is so important. Such valuable advice. Gabriella, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us ambitious, you know, millennial women that if we have that vision, that goal and that dream, although it may take a long time for it to ultimately eventuate, we can get there if we say consistent and persistent. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Such a great question. The value, it really is living a life that you dreamed of. I think that when you when you ignore the calling and when I say calling, I think there's a lot of jargon out there that talks, you know, that one day you should wake up and understand your calling. I think it happens on a very micro level. I think continuing to pursue things that you feel inclined to or aligned with is so important. I think the more that you can tap into that and follow that guiding star, the more you know, as you progress along your life journey, you'll look back and be proud of where you are. I think it's it's when we try to fit in with different social constructs of, oh, you know, I don't necessarily want to do this, but I think I have to do this, is when we look back and oftentimes have a lot of regret. So following that inner guiding light and acting on it is so important. And I think if as an entrepreneur, you can figure that out from from the early days, you will be a lot farther, but also more fulfilled. I think that oftentimes, as I mentioned, 
humans, we try to fit into boxes. We try to make sense of things. We try to follow or understand what's the blueprint. How do we get there and assume that because that was someone else's path or blueprint that that will work for us. And unfortunately, that that's not always the case. So really leaning into those gut instincts of, you know, I should move in this direction and following that again, I think will lead to a life of less regrets and a more fulfilled and happy life. Oh, I love it. Gabriella, oh, we've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Where can we learn more about you and Guest House? Yes, absolutely. You can learn more about us on Instagram, Twitter, um, or Facebook at Guest House HQ. Amazing. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. It's been so awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. Of course. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.